Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... We're flawed people, and we make mistakes. And we have made mistakes, and we will make mistakes. That's a fact, that we have and that we will, but what will you do with them? Some people will cover their sin with more sin. Some people will excuse their sin, blame their sin on other people. And David has that in his background too. He's done that before as well. But in this moment right here, David says, I messed up. This is my fault. I did this to you, man. Your family died because of me. I did this to you. And he just owns it. If you're like me, saying sorry is one of the hardest things to do. My pride wants to make excuses or blame others for my mistakes. Today, Pastor Bill highlights David's humility in taking responsibility for his mistakes. Because of his lies, 85 priests were killed. But David doesn't try to justify his actions or blame someone else. He apologizes and takes responsibility. And that's one of the reasons he is called a man after God's own heart. Is there anything you need to confess to God or another person? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 22, as he continues his message, Desperation, Deception, and Death. Some of the guys that were with Saul, they weren't with him in heart. They may have been with him in body, they may have been with him in fear, but they weren't with him. These guys are like, I'm, I'm not going to kill priests because you at your word. Um, they could see that this guy is out of control. And I would say this. Um, you know, someone asks, you know, the, when we talk about submission, there are many relationships where God calls for submission, right? Uh, in marriage, God calls for submission. In the relationship between children and parents, God calls for submission. Uh, in, our govern, in our governing authorities or those things, God calls for submission. Where does submission end? Where's the boundary of submission? It's when those that are in authority ask you to do something that violates the word of God. So if those that are in authority say do something that is against what the word of God says, that's where submission ends. No, no, won't do that. Uh, it's at that point that we would obey God rather than man. Amen. And so amen to Saul's guys for saying, nah, we're not going to do that. But guess who is more than willing to do so? Doeg. Doeg. The, 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 he got me. He got an enemy on on staff. You know, you got a, 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 a enemy on staff. And so. While Saul's guys wouldn't do it, verse 18, and the king said to Doeg, you turn and kill the priest. Now, question, why Saul didn't just do it himself? Ain't never done nothing but, but hey, never done nothing but jaw jacking, right, right, running his mouth, telling everybody else to do something. Um, I just want to point that out. Why, you know, he didn't do it himself. If you guys remember, and I want you to remember this, when God told Saul to kill all the Amalekites, and he didn't do it. And Samuel came down. Samuel's not a warrior. Samuel's a prophet. He's a praying, you know, prophetic word given. You know, he's that man. He comes down and says, hey, Saul, what is the bleeding of the sheep? And Saul says, oh, the people, they wanted to keep the best of the sheep. And we kept King Agag. And Samuel said, bring him here. And Samuel hacked him in pieces, it says. Right. Samuel said, look at me. You, 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 this cannot be. You know, you, you didn't do what God said do. And, he, and Samuel went ahead and did it himself. Um, I just find it interesting that Saul is so willing to do so many this, just not willing to do what God wants. 
I can only reiterate this so many times, but if this is if somebody here needs to hear this, if you are actively doing something outside the will of God and you're not bringing that same passion or obedience or submission or surrender to the thing that God has called you to do, that means your life is turned upside down. You need to get it right side up. And I know there are people that are in that position where I know God has said, go that way. But I'm going this way hard and I'm doing the wrong things with the wrong people for the wrong reasons. And God is saying all of that energy, effort, all that belongs to me over here. There has to be repentance at some point. Um, Saul and I just cheat ahead. We don't ever see Saul repent. We see it get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And he dies in a terrible way. You know, Uh, his life just gets further and further and further and never gets right from here. And uh, that's not what we want to be the case for any of us. Right. Uh, We all can repent. David is the picture for us of we can mess up and then get it right. And so that's what we want to do. If we have messed up, I got to look to David and say, I could get it right, though, because God is merciful. And we're not Old Testament believers. We're New Testament believers. Right. I can cry out to the Lord and the blood of Jesus. The Bible says will cleanse me of what? All of my sins. First John 1, 9, if you confess your sins to God, it says he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. So if you remain filthy, it's because you wouldn't come to him with it. Right. Anybody that comes, God, I'll clean you. I'll, I'll clean you and I'll make you acceptable again. I'll have you back. That's the amazing thing to me about the relationship with Christ. I don't know anybody that will have you back so many times. But Jesus We'll have you back. Amen. So don't don't be away from him when he will have you back. If you heard anything I preached tonight, know that Jesus will have you back. So don't be separated. Don't be away and don't be distant. Amen. And the king said to Doeg, you you turn and kill the priest. So Doeg, the Edomite, turned and struck the priest and killed on that day. Eighty five men who wore a linen ephod. He killed eighty five of the priests. Verse 19. Also, Nob. The city of the priests, he struck with the edge of the sword, both men and women, children and nursing infants, oxen and donkeys and sheep with the edge of the sword. So this Doeg guy says, I'll do it all. And he just started wiping out these priests. Now, again, this is what that means for Israel. I want you to remind us the priest's job was to go before God on behalf of the people and go to the people on behalf of the Lord. When the people wanted to get right with God, let's say you wanted to worship, you would come to the priest and offer your sacrifice. He would offer it on your behalf as your worship. Let's say you had sin that needed to be atoned for and dealt with. You would come to the house of the Lord. The priest would offer sacrifices for you, for the you know, for, for your sins. The Old Testament, your sins were covered. New Testament, our sins are washed away. Right. But it has something to do with their ongoing relationship with the Lord. The priests were important to the, the, the Old Testament, Old Covenant relationship with God. They were necessary. And so Saul says, I don't have a relationship with God. I'm going to ruin it for everybody. Kill all of them. That's what the enemy wants. Saul is absolutely functioning like the enemy of the Lord, wiping out God's priest. Um, and again, I, I can't think of anything on par with that. It wouldn't be like if somebody came today and wiped out all the pastors. It's not the same. Because um, the, the priesthood was a, it was a special role. Our priest is not the pastor. Our priest can't be killed. Our priest is Jesus Christ. Amen. 
So there's no threat to us that, you know, they're going to wipe it out. Can't wipe it out. They killed him and he rose back from the grave. You know, our priest is unstoppable. So the Hebrew says we have a better high priest uh, because he, he's never going to go away. He's never going to be wiped out. Everything we have in the new covenant. If you go read Hebrews, we got a better situation with God. We got a better covenant. We got a better high priest. We got better terms, everything else. And so um, but here for the situation that they were in, this is this is terrible for Israel as a whole, that these men that God had put to serve, they were being wiped out. Now, some believe because some someone may say, well, why did God allow this, though? Why didn't God protect the priest if it was so important that? They live and they go. Why didn't God intervene? Why didn't God protect them? Well, something that happened earlier in Samuel. You guys remember Eli, right? And Eli was a priest. Eli messed up in his walk with the Lord. Eli let his sons do vile things. And God told him, I'm going to wipe out not just your sons. There's not going to be a there's there's your whole lineage. I'm wiping out everybody. If you guys want to, you can write down first Samuel chapter two, verses thirty one to thirty six. And in first Samuel three, 11 to 14. So um, many believe that as we're looking at this here, because I, I look at this and think, God, you could have prevented it. You could have protected him. You could have stopped it. But this is actually a fulfillment of what was spoken earlier uh, as a as a punishment that God was going to do some wiping out. So let me read to you first Samuel chapter two, 31 to 36. He said, behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house so that they will not be an old man in your house. And you will see an enemy in my dwelling place, despite all the good which God has done for Israel. And there will not be an old man in your house forever. But any of your men whom I do not cut off from my altar shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart. And all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age and this shall be a sign, a sign to you that will come upon your two sons. And so then he goes on to talk about Hophni and Phinehas. And so, again, as we come back to here, when I look at things like this where God could prevent, but he doesn't there, there's always purpose in that. And uh, these won't be the last opportunity. It's not like there won't be another way for people to get this, get things right. But it won't be through these guys. These guys are going to be wiped out. The guilty party here, though, is it's not David for lying. David did his wrong. But the guilty party in this scenario that we're looking at is Saul, ultimately, because Saul is the one who said he called for the death of the priest. And um, I, I know that, you know, obviously, as you look at the rest of Saul's life and how it goes, that God deals with him for what he's done. Um, I don't believe you can attack God's people or attack. I don't think you can come against the Lord and it just be OK for you. Um, and the fact that God let him live, I think God let him live. It was his Saul's days were miserable from this point. He's going to we're going to continue to read about him. and He's going to seem like a crazy, psychotic man. And I think that that was part of the punishment of the Lord on him for the things that he had done. Verse 20. Now it says now one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. So, uh you know, while he's killing all the priests, one escapes, uh, Abiathar. And Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priest. So David said to Abiathar, I knew that day when Doeg the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul. Let me stop right here. The next thing David says, I believe, sets him apart from Saul by miles. David, David messed up. and He knows he messed up. 
And I want you to read what he says to Abiathar. He says a very difficult thing. He says, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. David says, I did this. This is my fault. Something Saul never did. Right. You never find Saul saying, hey, I messed up. Samuel says, Saul, God said, kill all the people, you know, all the animals. What is the bleeding of the sheep? The people, the people said, the people said he never owns. He's always got an excuse or a reason. Learn this lesson, you guys, because everybody in this room, including myself, we're flawed people and we make mistakes and we have made mistakes and we will make mistakes. That's a fact that we have and that we will. But what will you do with them? Some people will cover their sin with more sin. Some people will excuse their sin, blame their sin on other people. And David has that in his background, too. He's done that before as well. But in this moment right here, David says, I messed up. This is my fault. I did this to you, man. Your family died because of me. I did this to you. And he just owns it. He owns it. I think that sets David apart. I think this is why we read some people look at the David's mistakes and this, but it says David was a man after God's own heart. How he does? He messes up a lot, but he gets it right. He responds. He repents. And that's that's what I would encourage you guys. Right. We're when you mess up, repent, own it. Don't get good at excusing sin, because this is what I've learned over the years. If you can excuse your sin or defend your sin, you haven't even begun. You're not even at step one of repenting of your sin. We're not. You haven't even started. You're not even you're not even pointed in the right direction yet. If you if you can defend it. Yeah, I know I messed up, man. But but if you have any of that in you, if there's a reason for why you did it, if there's an excuse, if there's anything but ah, I messed up, if there's anything more than that, you're not even turned in the position to repent and get right with the Lord. Because repentance requires that I, I if I'm going to confess, confession means to say the same. I got to say the same thing about my sin that God says. And God says my sin's wrong. Amen. So to repent, to confess, I got to be saying, God, what you say about what I did is I'm wrong. I shouldn't have. And I did. I knew better. And I did. I'm wrong. I confess it. Forgive me. God will hear that. David, in one of his prayers of repentance, says a broken and a contrite heart, these, oh God, you will not despise. Right? God said, when you come broken and sincere, God said, I'll, I'll, I will forgive you. I'll clean you up. I'll fix you up. I'll get you going again. But you come with your excuses and you come with your uh, blame. You know, if, if only I had had, if, if my family, if this would have, if, if they wouldn't have. God said, I can't hear that. God, God's not working with none of that. And that's something we all have to deal with because we're all flawed. We're all going to sin. We're all going to mess up. But when you do, you just want to be honest with yourself and honest with the Lord. Why did I do that? Because I wanted to. That's why I did. That. I did that because I wanted to. And uh, I remember uh, when I was new, I was newer in the Lord, battling with sins. And uh, I was having victory in some areas, but I was struggling with other areas. And I really didn't understand why. How come I'm free over here, but I still struggle with these things over here? I didn't understand why. How come there were some things that seemed like they just fell off? Right. When I got saved, I thought I was going to be struggling with alcohol forever. And God took that away. And some of the other stuff, he just seemed like it just they just it just came off real quick. But over here, there were some things that were deeper rooted. And I remember talking to a counselor and without going into too much detail on a Wednesday night. But I was talking to a guy and I'm like, why is this still a battle? And he said it was so simple, but it was so true because you like it. 
Right? That's why. That's because you like it. That's the reason you do, 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 do that because you like it. Whatever sin and you know it's a sin and you keep it's because you like it. So deal with that. Right. Deal with that. I'm like, that's man, that's that's exactly why. You know, I just with the stuff we do is because we want to convenient what we want to, whatever it is. Um, and those are the things that we, we got to be able to be that honest with the Lord. God, I keep doing what I want to do instead of what you want me to do. And you ask him to forgive you. You ask him to have mercy. And this is the amazing thing. He will. And we got we got just we got a whole book full of people that came and received mercy from the Lord. We got we got a guy here who's not receiving the mercy of God because he didn't come for it. Right. We got a guy in Saul who's not receiving forgiveness. He's not receiving mercy. He's going to receive judgment because he doesn't turn. He doesn't repent. He doesn't acknowledge. He doesn't confess. He just commits his way to his sin. And we'll see him continue to self-destruct. David, however, we saw David for a couple of chapters blow it. But the Lord's still with him. We see David here acknowledging his sin. We're going to see next week in the next chapter that the Lord is with him in battle. Um, the thing that I look at with David is what I want. I want to be able to say, and the Lord was with me. And the Lord was with me. And the Lord was with me. And here's how it works. As you're with the Lord, the Lord's going to be with you. Why is the Lord not with Saul? Because Saul was not with the Lord. That's why God came to Saul. He anointed Saul, he called Saul, gave him instruction. And Saul was like, I do, I'm doing it this way. And after doing it his way enough times, God said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to pick someone else that man after my own. heart. You don't have a heart for me. I'm going to pick a man that's after my heart. And David was that guy. And so David gives me and you an example in that he's not perfect, but his heart was truly for the Lord. And you're not perfect and I'm not perfect, but we, we can have hearts that are true for the Lord. We really want the Lord and a heart that's really for the Lord will be expressed in this. When it fails, it repents. It gets back to the Lord. You don't commit your way like Saul did, but you get back over here where you belong. Amen. So David, again, he said to Ahitub, he says, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me. Do not fear for he who seeks my life seeks your life, but with me, you shall be safe. And I like this, that David says, look, I messed up, bro. This is my fault, but you stay with me. I'm going to, I'm going to provide safety for you. I'm going to, those that are, those that want to kill me also want to kill you. You stay with me. I'm going to provide safety. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to keep you. And I I really want to leave us with, with this note in mind. Um, As dark as it may get now, this is one instance with David. It gets darker in other places. Um, I just want you, it never stays in that direction though, right? David never stays on a, on a downward slope. It, things always turn back up as he turns back to the Lord. And so, um, I want to give instruction how to turn it back to the Lord. Anybody that may feel like, man, I'm away from the Lord or I'm not where I want to be. Or maybe you just need instruction for those moments. How do I get things right with God when they're not right with God? A uh, few verses. One we already went over. First John one nine. Uh, my pastor used to call that the Christian bar of soap um, says, uh, confess your sins to God. And he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Um, I think it's important when you confess that you not be vague. Right. That you literally confess your sin. God, I did whatever that was. Um, you got to be open. Could it, you got to say the same. So you want to confess your sin. Now, 
I've met Christians that are they think confession and repentance are the same and they're not. You can confess and not repent. Right. You can say, God, I messed up. I did it again and then not repent. So that's not where you want to be. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13 says he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. So confessing it, say the same and then forsaking it, turning my back on it. That person will have mercy from the Lord. He said, if you cover your sins, you will not prosper. You won't be blessed in what you do. But if you confess it, say the same and forsake it. God will have mercy on you. So we confess, but we also got to turn away from whatever it was. We we can't be continuing to do whatever it is. Um, then we haven't repented yet. Repentance means I've turned. I've made a U-turn. I've turned away from whatever it is. So if there's something that you were doing, something you were involved in, then the way we get back right with the Lord is we turn away from it and we turn back to the Lord. And he has he have us back. And if I could give you a, a scripture picture of what this looks like, uh, the story of the prodigal son. This is a scripture picture of repentance. You have the son who disrespected his dad. Say, give me what I get when you die. Give me my inheritance before you die. The dad gave it to him. It says he went out and spent his money on riotous living. And once his money was all spent and it was all gone, his friends left him. And he was still in this foreign land and found himself in a in a pig's pen. Uh, so hungry, he was ready to eat what the pigs were eating. And then it says he came to himself and he said to himself, you know what? My dad has servants that are living better than this. I know I've messed up, but he had his pre-planned speech. He's I'm going to go back and say, Dad, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just let me be. Just give me a job. Let me be like one of your hired servants. And it says that he went on, started making his way back home. And the Bible says that when his father was sitting on the porch is the picture. And when he saw him from afar off and in that culture, rich men don't run. They, you know, they walk. But this man got up and he says he ran down to him. And this is the image of your heavenly father. And he fell on his neck and he kissed him and he received him and he restored him just because he came back. He just I mean, he didn't even he, he had not fixed anything yet, but he came back and the father ran. I mean, that means God was excited to have him back. Uh, God didn't put him on a waiting program. God didn't say, no, you've been away for this long. You're going to be on a probationary period. When he came back, the, the picture, the scripture picture is that when he repented, the Lord had him back and it was immediate. And so you need to know that when you turn back, God will have you back also immediately. Amen. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the lessons, for the examples, good and bad. We thank you for the truth, Lord, of your word. Thank you that you are a merciful God. Thank you, God, that uh, we can come back to you when we have made mistakes, when we have gone the wrong way, when we have sinned. Thank you, God, that there is a plan uh, because of Jesus that we can be forgiven, cleansed, renewed, restored and even put back into service by you, Lord. God, I pray as we hear these things that it would help us in our relationship with you, Lord, that we would we'd run from anything that resembles a Saul in our life. God, that we would just not be those kind of people. But God, I pray you would you would help us to be men and women that are faithful to you. That, God, we would run to you, that we that, that even as we study a book like this and we see men fail and do different things, that we're really also learning about you, God. I pray you'd help us to to run to you in our mistakes, run to you in our weakness.
that we might find forgiveness, that we might find new strength. God, that when we need direction, we would run to you for direction, that we wouldn't be out here making bad decisions, but that we'd be led by your spirit, guided by your word. Uh, God, that we wouldn't we wouldn't have to keep going back and fixing things, but that our life would be directed by you. Lord, help us. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray you be honored and glorified in our, our worship to you now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. First Samuel is where we've been reading, and there's so much to take away from this book. Did you realize that many of the Psalms were written during the time that these events were happening? For much of this book, David was running from Saul. Wouldn't it be strange to be an arch enemy of your best friend's dad? Even though you didn't do anything deserving of death, you feel like a fugitive. And somehow, you found yourself in this situation where you're running for your life. This was much of David's existence in the book of 1 Samuel. He was doing great things, but King Saul was jealous of him and felt threatened by him. So he wanted to remove David completely from the upcoming kingship of Israel. Do you feel like you're on the run, undeserving of the circumstances you're in? Or are you on the other side, feeling jealous and insecure about another person, looking for their downfall? In either case, these two men needed God's help. One chose to rely on God, and the other turned away. Which direction will you choose? If you like the message you just heard, we're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If this interests you, you can find the Give tab on our website. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Thanks for listening today to A Transforming Word.